and welcome to episode six of Station to Station. I'm your host, Michelle Bacon, and we are going behind the stages, venues, and studios of Kansas City's musical landscape, talking to the individuals who are making it happen. So today, I am really excited to have my friend and bandmate on the show, um, Heidi Phillips. Welcome to the program. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, Heidi. Um, so a lot of you who are listening will know that Heidi is the front person for Frog Pond, which is a band that started in the early 90s and has recently come back um, to release an album later on in the fall. And I am very honored and pleased to be a part of the new lineup. Well, I feel like I'm cheating being on your podcast because you're <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating by being like, hey, let's promote this thing that I'm a part of. So it's a little, you know, but, but you know, again, I, I am going to go back and say that when I agreed to join your band, I didn't know it was Frog Pond. That is true. Oh, I tricked true. you. Yes. So I do want to talk a little bit about that. Um, but first, I, I want to kind of give people um, a little bit of a background on Frog Pond. So, you know, if you want to talk about it, just as far as like the how beginning stages, yeah, how it started, what you did, sure. and, and up until now. Okay, sure. Let's see. Um, so, well, I originally am a drummer. I started playing drums when I was 14. And then I think got in my first quote unquote real band playing drums when I was 16. Uh, when I finally got to college, I think I was probably 20, maybe. I just was really influenced by a lot of these girl fronted bands like Belly, The Breeders, Throwing Muses, Liz Fair. And I just, I, I had started playing guitar when I was. 15, just like in my bedroom or whatever, writing my little songs. And I just thought it would be really fun to pick up the electric guitar and just try to have an all girl band. I don't know. So me and a couple of my friends finally just started it and I just started writing songs. And uh, I don't know, the energy I felt when I was doing it was just like, wow, this is just the most fun, amazing thing I've ever done. So it just started from there. It just really grew naturally and became what it was you know up until 2000 so i don't know is that a good enough story that's a great story yeah i just wanted to give people a little bit of background um and you know like frog pond i think is a very big part of kansas city music you know like from even before i started playing music in town i had heard of frog pond and i was very not in touch with what was happening in the local scene you know like uh, i remember like mostly i listened to commercial radio i didn't go out much i was pretty sheltered but frog pond was one of the only bands i remember hearing about that was from kansas city i was that's like awesome. that's a cool band i should see them sometime but i'm a child so i can't <laughs> well, that's awesome i'm glad that you heard of us i mean it's it's pretty special to to know that people still um seem to care that like we've got a new record coming out and we've gotten really pretty good positive like exciting excitement you know we can just feel that some people actually might still care so it's pretty cool mm -hmm. yeah and so i know that you're the only quote unquote original member of the band but i i do want you to talk about why you decided to bring the band back and of course that 
brings Justine into it and she is she's been in the band with you for what the last 25 years yeah I mean she's really integral to the band um I am you know technically the only original member but Justine is she's been by my side for I mean since the first record I mean so I mean she's definitely a huge part of it and I'm glad that she's back and agreed to do this again with me and um yeah and then you you and Kristen were it was kind of a last minute decision I knew it was going to be Justine and I and we weren't really sure who were the other people you know who we were going to get um we played a lot with Marty Robertson. He went on tour with us for the second record. And, you know, I considered having him back, of course. Um, and then uh, working on the drummer, I played in a band with King Crawford. So uh, we were considering them. But honestly, you invited me to sing that, sing a song at the David Bowie tribute. And when I got up on stage with you and Katie Gian and Stephanie and all the background singers. I mean, it was it just like the, the female presence was just so fun and amazing. And it just kind of, it just made me make that decision. I love my friends, you know, I love them, but I was like, I want this to be all girl again. And I think at that point you had kind of, we were messaging about something and you were like, hey, if you ever need a drummer or bass player, mm -hmm. I'm like, well, actually <laughs> yeah so that's how you got involved and then you know Kristen I mean I know that she was she's mainly a bass player and you know for and plays with Emmeline Twist but I knew that she'd played guitar in the past and I don't know she's my friend you know what I mean so it just all of that just made sense and Justine was on board and I I just really feel like we made really the best and right choices so I'm really excited about the lineup and I know Justine is and you know so I don't know it all just came together yeah and that I think it's so cool that you know you kind of decided or or like that Bowie show was kind of the catalyst for you to decide like that you wanted this to be an all-female thing yeah. um, one thing I really love about that show is that you know there's 13 people in that band but I'm pretty sure over half of us are women yeah, I think like that's seven, seven of the 13 are women yeah. and, and yeah. like just brings a really cool energy into yeah. what we're doing. It really um, does. Yeah, but but like, so I always choose, I'm just going to talk about this real fast, a uh, little background on our relationship. So I always choose the guests for every one of those Bowie shows. Um, and I remember when you popped into my mind, I was just like, oh my God, this is going to be so cool. She's going to do The Man Who Sold the World, and it's going to blow everybody away. And, you know, a few of the members of the band had heard you before, and they were just like, oh, my God, this is great. But, you know, a few of them didn't. And the, the first time you came up and rehearsed with us, they were just all like, oh, my God, you were right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, yeah. I'm just kind of nervous about it, too. You guys, it's a little intimidating with all of you. <laughs> yeah. On the stage, I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? Yeah. It Welcome. Was, Here we are. <laughs> yeah, it was. That was, yeah, that was a really great time. And that's the last time we got to do the Bowie show back in the beginning of 2020. Um, but yeah, so I didn't really know you that well. Like I, we 
I kind of know each other and like I've always liked your songwriting I think the last time I had seen you play was at maybe the record bar with Danny like I don't even know how long ago that was that was was probably the last time I played before I did the Bowie thing okay yeah yeah um but I just remember thinking like man I would love to play in a band with her and so that's when I messaged you and you were just like yeah I'm gonna start a project cool Oh, it's Frog Pond? Oh, my God. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did, I did the same thing with Kristen. I'm like, hey, start a new project. Would you be interested? And then, of course, with Kristen, she's like, what would I be playing? And, well, I mean, with you, too, I'm like, I would like you to play drums, Michelle. And then I told Kristen I would like you to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And immediately she was like, hmm, I wonder who's going to be playing bass guitar. <laughs> so it might have given it away. She kind of figured it out. Yeah. I And, and it's funny because... Kristen and I are primarily bass players and neither of, and we're both playing different instruments. You know? I know that. I think that's, what's kind of fun about it from my perspective too, though, because when Frog Pond started, I was the only one that really knew how to play my instrument. Like the bass player never played bass before and the drummer never played drums before. So mm-hmm. there's been numerous um, members of Frog Pond that didn't know how to play their instrument before they joined the band. Justine was one of them, you mm-hmm. know, so it, it kind of continues on that same story in the fact that, of course, you know how to play drums, you know, and Chris knows how to play guitar, but it's also maybe a second instrument. Yes. You know, for you both, and not anymore, I don't think, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not our, I guess, our first inclinations, but we we both know how to play them. But, yeah. you know, I mean, like, I think that kind of leveled the playing field a bit, because I know Justine hasn't played in the band since Frog Ponds. Yeah, uh-huh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Puts it right back up. Like, oh gosh, yeah, she's amazing. Like, you know, hello. It's like it's natural for her. So I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, me too. I was gonna say something else. So I know that, you know, when you came to me, or when you came to all of us with the songs that you had in mind for this new record we're gonna be putting out, you know, like you had already figured out the guitar parts and the drum parts, and basically, I think bass was the only thing that you hadn't figured out. So like, when you first started Frog Pond, is that kind of how you structured things too like did you already have all the parts in mind I mean kind of maybe not as um specific like with all these new songs I tracked them all I mean with all the home recording technology you can have nowadays it it makes it easier so I mean I kind of always had you know the beat in mind or you know I mean in a way that was never quite as detailed as this, but yeah, I, I worked out all the guitars and the drums for the most part, like the basic, I just like, I hear it all in my head. So I want to get it all down. And so I did the guitar and drums and the vocals and stuff, but wanted to leave space for Justine to write her own parts, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, you know, she always comes up with all the right stuff. So, and you guys have added awesome stuff and, you know, interpreted the parts perfectly. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm so happy with this record. I can't wait to play it for people. Yeah, so the new record is called Time Thief, and it's going to be coming out at some point in November. Uh, I know that you have kind of mentioned the album release party, so that's not a secret. Yeah. Uh, no. So that's November 27th at the record bar. Yeah. And hopefully we will have vinyl. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. We're supposed to get the first um, test pressing in the mail tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And so I'm excited. I'm um, hopefully go over to Sean from Blackside's house and check it out. Hopefully it'll be perfect and 
we won't have to redo anything. But I think everything's uh, on time so far. So hopefully we will have them by the release show for sure. Just got oh, the art today. It looks awesome. It looks so good. Yeah. yeah so we are on track. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the printing presses are too. Like, so for anybody who doesn't know, um, if you want to get vinyl for your band, then you need to give yourself at least a six month window. Yeah, it's crazy. At least. <laughs> I've talked to a couple people that are like, yeah, I'm going to make a record and I, it's taken a while to come. It's, it's been three months. I'm like, oh, you're going to have to wait another three months at yeah. least. Yeah. So I think it's, there's just not very many factories like vinyl and the there's line. not a lot of presses. No idea. But yeah. On and Blackside before, so. Yes. Yeah. So you ask me if I'm worried that they're late, or you ask me if I'm worried that the pain won't end, or you ask me if I'm worried for my fate, I said no, cause I'm waiting for a friend, cause I'm waiting for One thing that stuck out to me that you have said before is like how your parents encouraged you and your sisters to, you know, pursue your passions. And, you know, I wonder if that contributed to just the way that you approached Frog Pond and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, my parents have always been really supportive of us as individuals, you know, really instilling in us the the mind or the thought process that you we can do and be anything we want like if we work hard at it you know and they're also very much taught us to figure out what that was like we weren't really directed you need to go this direction you need to go this direction the only thing my dad wanted us to go to college for sure but other than that he's like study whatever you want you know do whatever you want and for me, I, I started playing drums when I was 14. Um, so like living, I grew up in a really small town and there's not a lot to do, you know? So you kind of figure out ways to occupy your time. And I just really got into music, you know, in my early teens. Um, I don't even really know how, like I got into it, but it, I did. and. I remember I would listen to like the college radio station in Warrensburg. I mean, I guess it's the bridge. I don't know what it was. Like, well, it wasn't the bridge back then. So it was like the bridge started in 2001. So it would have been, or before that. I don't remember what it was called, but it was a college station and they would have like the alternative music couple hours, like on Sunday nights. And I would like sit there and record it with my cassette tape recorder, you know, just yeah. speakers <laughs> and try to get new music. My friend, I, f I literally found a B-52s cassette tape on the side of the road. And that's how I oh, wow. about the B-52s. It was <laughs> the one that had Rock Lobster and Planet Claire and all those things. Mm -hmm. What was my point? I kind of got off track. I was talking about, oh, how my parents, yeah, so they encouraged us to, you know, find our passions and follow it. And I did. And I did go to college. 
but then I dropped out of college and my dad was not happy with me about that. I'm like, I don't want to go to college, dad. I just want to play music. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was, was kind of struggling with that when I was young, going in and out of school. And finally, Frog Pond, we got to the point where we were touring and stuff like that and able to support ourselves for a while. So I was lucky to be able to actually do that as a living. How old were you when, when you started Frog Pond? I think I was 20. Okay. Jesse and I were talking about it and we're thinking it started in 1993, I think. But, you know, we didn't really keep track. Keep sure. Keep things back then. Yeah. Yeah, by 90, you know, the first record came out, what, in 95 or 94? I thought it came out in 96. I don't know. 96. See, I have to look up so <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, you know, we were... Even however, how poorly we were, I mean, like money-wise, we were still doing it, you know, so. Yeah, and it seems like it all kind of happened pretty fast. It really did. It was pretty much a whirlwind. Like I, when I, when Tim asked that question, like, can you give, like, it's kind of timeline of everything that happened with Frog Pond. And by the time I was done typing it, like I was looking back at it and I'm like, wow, that was only like, I don't even know if it was two years of my life, you know, or, well, I mean, it was, it was like from 94 to 2000, but the, a lot of it happened within a year, like the very beginning with Art recording the record and meeting R.E.M. and mm-hmm. this member change and that member change and touring and then, play, you know, playing with the Goo Goo Dolls and just, yeah, and like, wow, like that's a lot of stuff in a small amount of time. Yeah, no kidding. So it kind of started, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you were recording a demo at Red House in Lawrence. Yeah. And, and then a uh, rep from Columbia Records got in touch with you. Is that kind of how it all kicked yeah. off? Yeah, that's how it started. Don Tobias, she was the A&R rep for um, Columbia. Or maybe she's like just a straight up Sony rep, but I feel like Columbia. Anyway, so yeah, we recorded at Red House. And back then, I mean, I think that's how reps found new music. They would go around to the studios and say, hey, what'd you record this week? Anything cool, you know? And I think EJ Rose was like, well, this girl band, Frog Pond, you know, and so she came from Chicago and met us all in Warrensburg at the Country Kitchen. I remember, I think I got a, a phone call on a payphone outside my dorm room from her. Like, how does that even happen? Or maybe wow. I got her back from there. I don't know. Like, what's a payphone, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so she met us at Country Kitchen and we were all just so nervous. Like, it was way out of our element. I think we all shared like a plate of French fries. We were too nervous to eat anything, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's how it all started and then we got into south by southwest so we were recorded by a couple of other labels um like relativity records um and maverick which was madonna's label at the time i don't even know if that still exists but yeah it was crazy yeah i bet and you know like i think about these stories and compare them to what the music industry is like now and it's just like that it would have been a totally different story you know I mean it's like now I don't think who knows what I don't even know if we would have gotten the attention that we did back then now with the way things are you know it's it's more of a showcase for bands that already exist now it's like a festival Mm -hmm. buy this big ticket and you see all these famous bands like it's just the way the industry has changed it's just it's much more, I mean, in one hand, you think, well, how great. Everyone can make music and get it out there and people can hear it, but it makes it even a bigger sea of 
music that people are digging through. I mean, there's a lot of good music out there. You know, it's just how do you find it and how do you get yourself heard? It's really difficult. Right. And, and like, you know, when you're thinking of these big labels like Columbia or Sony or whatever, you know, like they're not going after those grassroots artists anymore. No. I mean, yeah, I don't know. For the most part. I mean, there's still some of that, but I mean, you know, like you were saying, the rep, the reps were kind of going to the studios. Mm-hmm. That, that just doesn't because there was less, much anymore. There, sorry, I was talking over you. But oh, yeah, no. there was less avenues to find it. So you, you had to go to them. So it's almost like when you go to the grocery store and there's 700 types of bread to choose from, you know, which one are you going to buy? But if you go, you know, to the mom and pop store and there's like, you know, there's the white or the wheat or the whole grain, which one do you want? I don't know. It's just, sometimes it's easier to make choices and easier to see what's available having said that everyone deserves to have a voice and be heard so in that respect it's awesome yeah absolutely so i'm wondering what what do you think it was or is that set frog pond apart or or you know kind of got you the attention that you that you were able to get well, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I definitely think that being all girl got people's attention. But then besides that, I also think that people like the songwriting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people like the songs. Like, you know, so hopefully that's part of it. You know, maybe just like so that package all together, all girl pop rock band, you know, with fun songs, Woo, you know. Mm-hmm think that I mean I would say that yeah and and so like one of your uh, and again correct me if I'm wrong but one of your breaks came I guess when Mike Mills was at the hurricane or what yeah so it wasn't him it was his um, roadie friend and sometimes he would go out to shows and if he heard something he thought Mike would like he would like let him know and that was so that was at a we were doing sound check and he came in. And so, yeah, I think he actually did show up there when we played. And then they were playing the Sandstone the, the next um, the next day. And so he got us all in to see them. And I'm a huge, huge REM fan. Like, they're, pro- they're my favorite band. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. So having that happen is just like, what the heck? Thank you, universe. Makes it seem like it was meant to be or something, you know? So... So that was huge. And we had talked with him about possibly producing our first record. And then at the same time, we met our Alex Office from Everclear. So, you know, then he was interested. So, which is great. So we had to make a choice. And ultimately, we went with Art. Um, you know, I think either choice we would have made would have been the right choice, you know. Um, so, it, yeah, it's all really cool. And so that was for Count to Ten, right? Count to Ten, yeah. Okay, cool. So when you started doing Frog Pond, I wonder if that was even, you know, of course every band wants to succeed, but was that even something that you had thought about yet? Like, you know, because it just seemed to happen so quickly. I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, of course I was like, I wanted to be on a record label and be a signed band and I'd wanted that really to be a display music forever and how do you do that well you get signed to a record label 
I mean, that's how you do it, right? So, I mean, having all that happen was really a dream come true. And then doing it was definitely many lessons learned. You know what I mean? Like, wow, this is crazy. Like all the stuff involved or just the different people or just all the decisions that have to be made and all of the, is this the right decision? Is this the wrong decision? Not really knowing sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's definitely a lot of life lessons in there, too. Count to 10 at Smart Studio, which is where Nevermind was yeah. recorded as well. We recorded, it was awesome. so quick, at, in Madison, Wisconsin, at Smart Studio, where, yeah, Nirvana, Nevermind was recorded, and I think a lot of other really cool albums, but, so that was, that was dope, because I'm a huge Nirvana fan as well, and I really, honestly, I feel like you can hear the influence in my music, you know, a lot, so, um, that was a really amazing experience. It was really fast. Uh, when we got there, it started raining and the studio flooded. So the main room on the, the ground level was flooded. So we ended up tracking everything upstairs in like the overdub room, which worked out fine. But it was crazy because like the, the water in the streets was two feet deep. I mean, and the basement was flooding and down in the basement of the studio was where all these reel to reels were there like Nirvana Nevermind and all the two inch tape or whatever. So our um, friend and, you know, tour manager, truck driver, John was down in the basement, just like pulling out all these like really special reel to reels or whatever, two inch tapes. And wow. so that was crazy. And I mean, I think it was, we recorded the whole thing in like three and a half days and mixed and mastered in two. And it was another whirlwind situation, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, that was, that was a cool experience. Did you record the tape? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that's both albums are recorded to tape. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I don't think like it's all analog. Yeah. yeah. It's like, there's no digital. I, yeah. I guess that was, yeah, there wasn't was happening back then. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I mean, you know, like I didn't start recording music until the 2010s. So. Oh yeah. No, it was all tape. So they had to like cut the tape and all that stuff. I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, isn't that right? Yeah, I guess so. I, <laughs> I guess there wasn't any digital. I don't know. Didn't they have like any sort of interface yet? I don't know. It was just like the board and um, yeah. so like all the takes, like the drum take or whatever, it had to be like one drum Perfect. take. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a lot of pressure. It overdub, but it's, it's harder to make that edit, you know, right. like if you would listen to be like, can we punch in here? No, we're gonna have to punch in here. You know, you gotta find the right spot to punch in. So, yeah. That would, I don't think I could do that. Way less forgiving. I mean, you can't. Oh yeah, I'd be way too anxious, especially playing drums, cause you really can't, you gotta have that take. Oh, that's, yeah, that's first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't remember. We maybe even did like drums and bass together and then 
I honestly, I don't even remember that far back, yeah. but yeah, it was all tape. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but awesome. <laughs> yeah, super cool. So let's, let's fast forward to now. Okay. Um, so like, like we mentioned earlier, you've got a new album coming out in November. It's your first bit of new music in over 20 years. Yes. Um, what, w yeah, for Frog Pond, of course. Um, what would you want your fans to know about it? What, what, what should they expect? I feel like this album, Time Thief, is like the perfect culmination of the first two albums. I feel like Count to Ten was a little bit more simple and just grungy, poppy, you know, garage. And then Safe Ride Home was more refined and the songs were a little bit more complex. And now with Time Thief, I feel like Writing-wise, I was able to take all of the different um, tools that I learned or, or avenues I was exploring and made Time Thief. I don't know. Like, Count to Ten, when I wrote those songs, they were a little more intuitive and just kind of came out. And Safe Ride Home was the same, but I thought I had I thought through them a little bit more. And I gained skills in writing, I feel like, or playing. And then so with Time Thief, what I did was go back to the to that original gut intuition feeling, not trying not to overthink it and just going with how I, hey, I like that the way that sounds. But then I also think I was able to implement the tools I'd, you know, gained throughout the years. So it, it's, it feels very natural to me and organic, but also, I don't know, like I said, it's the perfect culmination for me, to me. Mm -hmm. I know like maybe just a couple of those songs you wrote back in the Frog Pond days, right? Yes. Or like earlier, you know, yeah. when you well, I mean, right. so there's actually one song on there. I mean, there's a song called Drunk that I wrote, geez, um, back before even Count to Ten was recorded. And um, we tried to record it for Safe Ride Home, but it just wasn't working. It just wasn't fitting. It was weird, you know. So that one is on it, and it fits perfectly well on this album. And there were two songs that were written after Safe Ride Home and after um, it was recorded. We were so we were still together playing and writing and touring, but hadn't gone back into the studio. And that's a song called Soulless and another song called The Day We Were Made. Those ended up on the record, too. I just wanted to just I wanted to put them on there. I needed to get them down, you know, and so it was um, so the, those three and then seven brand new ones you know, so 10 songs total, and I'm really happy with it. I think, and Paul Malnowski recorded it. We recorded it at Massive Sound, and I just said, Paul, make it sound like Shiner, and he's like, okay, and we didn't have, uh, I have not had a better experience in the studio, like getting along better and seeing things eye to eye, and not even, we're like, I'm, he's like, how about this? I'm like, yep, yeah, sounds good, you know? Mm -hmm. It was so smooth, and everybody showed up and just rocked it, and we spent a whole week doing it, which was awesome to be able to spend that continuous time in the studio and just really focus on the record. So I'm really happy about it and excited for people to hear it. Yeah, it really was a great experience. One of my favorite recording experiences I've ever had, because like you said, like being able to be in there for that entire week, just have that continuity of building the record, you know, like a lot of times you don't get to do that because of money or time or whatever's going on you know like a lot of times I've 
gone in and I'll record my part and then somebody else will come in and do their part and overdubs and all that stuff in the, the process. Sometimes it'll take, you know, a year or two, which there's nothing wrong with that, but just being able to have it all together at the same time and just see how things come together. It really was great. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. There's all sorts of different ways to do it. And I know artists work different, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people, some people just, hammer it out and other people want to hammer it out and then revisit it and you know tweak this or tweak that but um but yeah for me that that's the way I like to do it and it, it was great amazing really yeah and I think that you know as I as I am in the band longer that seems to be just kind of the way that all of us work the best too yeah, yeah no I think like so being too. purposeful you know yeah very um task oriented and I wouldn't say I'm like the most organized person but when it comes to writing and songs I feel like my songs are also that way like here's the verse here's the chorus I'm not like I'm not a very like jam bandy <laughs> I thought we were starting a jam band or you know I'm not very like there's a lot of people that are really good at doing things that are like a little more ethereal and you know stuff like I'm just not good at that and maybe that's how I function in life as well I don't know speaking for me personally I work really well in that realm also like as far as here are my parts and I just want to perfect those and have them work really well within the song um, and I I like doing that you know like I've I've even been in bands that do more improvisational kind of stuff but I don't ever do that you know, yeah. I'll just hold it down. Yeah. You guys yeah. go and do whatever you're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel like for, for me, I'm like, here's the song and this, there's a perfect part for this song. You know, I mean, instead of being like, oh, you can play this, this, that, or the other. And I'm like, no, this very like, no, this is how it needs to be. So, yeah. You know, so even if it's complicated or not, and most of the time it's not. Yeah. I like that. So. Cool. I'm, glad, I'm glad now I can tell you that. Good. I'm glad whoever's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but a, another thing that is cool about how this band kind of reformed was you asked me about joining uh, not long after that Bowie show. So it was kind of right before the pandemic started. Yeah. And then I don't even remember when you actually revealed to me that it was Frog Pond. Probably not long after that, whenever you got the full lineup, probably. Yeah. I think that's when I did, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the thing about it is like this whole thing started sadly because our drummer, Billy Johnson passed away. And so we got back together, a few of his bands did, and to learn some Frog Pond songs and, and play his, the Celebration of Life party. And I don't know, I mean, it was a bittersweet thing. You know, the reason why we, ha you know, reformed, it was me and Justine and Marty and King and just it it was so easy playing the songs again and you know just felt right that that's how the conversation started between justine and i about doing just like a reunion show and then i was talking to her about it and she's like well you know if we're gonna do it why just do that and maybe i don't know what she meant by that exactly but i took that as oh we should write new songs. <laughs> so I started writing new songs really without even telling anybody. And by the time I'd asked you, or even by the time I really approached Justine again and like 
say, hey, you know, we're doing this. I already had like a handful of songs written in mm -hmm. secret, you know, so, so, but yeah, I mean, I, it's been in a, it's been a process for a while. Yeah. And like we did that, I guess it was before the pandemic when we all agreed and then we didn't get together, you know, for several months because of the pandemic. Yeah. So I don't even remember when we started actually practicing like end of last year, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. Mean, I gave everyone the songs. Yeah. So we all worked on them separately. And so there was like several months of that. And then I think, I think we actually announced it back in April it was like right after we all got vaccinated so it was I think in April it's just crazy to me because like March. was it well, March because um excuse me um that's the whole thing about it. I've been talking to um the guy from Sony about having counseling right. released digitally and I thought it was going to take a couple few more months he said it was in the lot you know in the whatever getting ready and he messaged me one day it's like guess what count to 10's being re released tomorrow digitally that's and right, yeah. on this. so that's when we announced that we were together making a new record so mm -hmm. it's so crazy how both it's again kismet or whatever how it came together the same year the new yeah. album and the digital release of the first one um, yeah that's awesome i i did not expect that either i'm like yeah. oh we're gonna announce now i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> but but it's great i mean like i'm still honestly impressed with myself that I was able to keep it secret for like a year. <laughs> Good job. We yeah. said, probably told a few people. It's, it, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. It, it got to the point, well, we better announce it because people are going to start hearing about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, we did tell a few friends. than Frog Pond, I know that you've done a few other projects since the band folded back in 2000. So do you want to talk about any of those? Yeah, sure. So I have still been playing music all these years. There was a couple years after Frog Pond broke up that I really didn't. I was pretty, I don't know, jaded or something. Just needed a break. But started playing again, realizing that it's important to me. It's an important part of my life. So I started a band called Abilene. It's um, A-B-I-L-E-E-N with Marty, who was on tour with us. And then King actually was in it. And then Danny Krause. And then another member, Jeff McGinnis. So we were together and played music for probably, I guess, four, maybe six years. We put out two, we put out an EP and then the full length that we recorded our so it's the first one we recorded the, or the first one was in chicago anyway there's two albums out there from abilene 
that I did the songwriting on, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more Americana or something. I don't know. So, and then after that, I put out an EP just under my name, Heidi Phillips. And um, Danny Krause was in that project too. I've been playing a lot with Danny Krause uh, over the past 20 years. And then after that, that was kind of short lived. And then I went back to school. So I wasn't doing music. And then my most recent project was Heidi Phillips and Danny Krause. And that was, we did recorded five of his songs and five of mine. And that's more acoustic driven. It's, it's real pretty. It's on Spotify. All that stuff's available on Spotify. Um, but yeah, so I have been doing stuff. And then now Frog Pond stuff again. And it's all great. I, I'm a big fan of your songwriting, so like the first time I saw you play, did you play like a Boulevardia one year under a different? Oh yeah, that was Dead Skeletons. Dead Skeletons. I thought there was Skeletons. Yeah, there. that was me and Danny and his friend Scott. So that was a different version of basically Heidi Phillips and Danny Krause. Okay. So, yeah, we played the acoustic stage, but it was the same yeah. songs. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe, I don't even know if I met you there, but I remember like that maybe was one of the first times I saw you. Perform. Oh wow, crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because Chris, yeah. Chris Aguirian booked that. Yeah, he got us on that. Yeah, and he, he's always been a huge Frog Pond fan, so anytime we talk about it, I'm like, oh, that's the, that's the girl from Frog Pond? Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> now that you know me, you're like, oh. That's yeah, I'm like, oh, it's the girl from Frog Pond. <laughs> now you're great. One thing I like to ask my guests is if there's an issue that they want to talk about, you know, going on in the music industry that they would like to see changed. Yeah, we talked about it just a little bit earlier before we started, but you asked me that question and I think there's a lot of stuff really, but the, to me, one of the biggest ones is the fact that artists just don't make any money from the digital play of their songs. You know, a visual artist can sell prints or you know sell their one picture for like hundreds of thousands of dollars and we spend a lot of time and energy making these writing these songs recording these songs making them and then it's great that they're accessible for everyone to hear but at the same time it's unfortunate that we just don't make any money off of it mm -hmm. you know? and like i said if you're not a touring band you know how do you how do you make any money right yeah, and that's something I think we've talked about a lot on this program, not that particular issue, but just musical artists having to establish our value because a lot of people don't necessarily think about it. I think that for a lot of people, it's kind of an afterthought. Yeah. You know, uh, people want to be entertained. And I feel like live entertainment is a different, it's a different beast than like 
you know, like a painting or some sort of visual art. Like the, a lot of times those kinds of things seem like they're valued because they're, I don't know, because they're tangible or something. Yeah, tangible and more uh, limited, you know, like one painting is, you know, or so one song is, it is one song, but everyone can have it. Actually, my neighbor's a really great painter and we were having this conversation about the, you know, visual art versus, you know, the audio art. And one good thing about music is you can reach so many more people. You really can. But I mean, find the value, you're right. It's like, it's more about entertainment than the actual value of the art. Whereas people perceive, I, I feel anyway, maybe that people perceive visual art more as a unique talent. It, they're just different formats and they come, I think they each come with their different issues, but I definitely think that the digital availability of music these days, there's positives and negatives, but one negative is, boy, I wish we could make a little more money. Yeah, I mean, it really is a double-edged sword because it's, because like you said, it's great that people can get their music and their voice out there, but at the same time, you know, for those artists, for those of us who are you know, doing it for a living or yeah, are trying to fund something like we want to fund our next album or we want to fund a tour or whatever the case may be. You know, it's like, it's very hard to do that. It is. Well, it's really hard to do it unless you're like super famous, really. I mean, right. you know, it's yeah. not something you can, I mean, I know some people can, I mean, we did it for a while. It's difficult to make enough to just only play music. It's really difficult. I, I've had this conversation with a lot of artists as far as like, do we put our music on Spotify because, you know, we're going to get a percentage of a penny back for every stream. And so like, there's this moral issue, but at the same time, we need to have our music on Spotify because right. if, if there's any chance of us getting on like a verified playlist or whatever to get to that next level of being recognized, like we got to be on these platforms. Absolutely. So, so it does kind of, it sucks in that way. And then now there's TikTok, which I'm still not even, I actually finally signed up for an account the other day and it overwhelmed me. So. <laughs> How can TikTok help them? I don't even, that's your. So like some artists go viral, just like putting up their dance videos with one of the songs that they wrote or something, you know, like, and I've seen a couple really good musicians come out of that. Like on the bridge, we started playing uh, this one artist named Fouché, and I guess she was discovered on TikTok, and I don't know about any of that, but, you know, like, then she blew up, and now she's making this music, and it's really good, so I guess that's one way to go, but we need to start, like, making some choreographed dances or something. Yeah, we need the TikTok, so that's okay. your, that's your I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, I, I try to run most of our social media, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on the TikTok, I think it's hard it's yeah. hard but like I think you need to have some sort of you know obviously some kind of visual element that'll draw people in so like yeah if we we gotta have like a frog pond dance or something <laughs> I don't know about that yeah it's not gonna happen
right. Well, Heidi, it's been really great to have you on. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. And Frog Pond is coming out with their first album in over 20 years. It's called Time Thief. We are doing an album release show at the Record Bar on November 27th. And we are releasing our first single toward the end of next week. So people should be looking out for that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Michelle, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Yeah, thanks, Heidi. And thanks to Heidi for the tracks you heard in this episode. The first two tracks came from Frog Pond's debut 1996 album, Count to Ten. Those two tracks are Waiting for a Friend and B, followed by three tracks from their 1999 album, Safe Ride Home. Those tracks are Home, I Did, and Sleep. And as we've been talking about, after 20 years, Frog Pond is coming out with their third album in November, with the very first single dropping next Friday, September 3rd, so be sure to check that out on all of your favorite digital streaming platforms. That's going to do it for this episode of Station to Station. Thanks again for tuning in. Special thanks to Patrick Spray and Chris Mowry. Be sure to listen, like, and subscribe to the Center Cuts podcast, and I will see you next time.